Come on, Faith Promise, let's give Jesus a louder praise than that. Come on, let's give him a praise. Hey, you guys look great. It's going to be an awesome weekend. I love my church, and I'm so thankful that Pastor Chris and Michelle practice what they preach. They are true champions of developing people and creating these opportunities for people to step into the potential that God has placed on their lives. I'm so excited to be here with you. My name is Jessica, and I get to serve on staff here with FP Worship. Shout out to my team. I love what we get to do together. And typically when I'm holding this microphone, I'm singing. Even if I'm talking for a bit, I go back right into singing. So if I get nervous up here and start singing, y'all just join along. We'll do karaoke. It'll be a fun time. We've done Stranger Things here before. If you've been around, you know that. So as you heard in the video, our value this week is we elevate those around us. And I want to encourage you not to check out. Even though this value is all about others, I believe when we get it right, we grow the most as individuals. And not only is it vital and important for us to be effective in our lives, it's also biblical. In the book of Philippians, Paul is writing to the Christians at Philippi, the people that he's been with, planted a church with, done life with, and he is giving them stepping stones, a foundation for this very value. And he writes this in Philippians 2. Be freed from pride-filled opinions. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view them as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern from what matters to others instead of your own interests. Let's pray. Jesus, right now in this moment, would you remind us of our secure identity in you so that we can focus on others? Holy Spirit, rid us of self-promotion, of selfishness, and replace that with authentic humility. Remind us that you are God and we are not. Open our hearts as we hear from your word this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's first unpack why we even need to elevate others. And here's the first reason why. It's because God treasures people more than anything. That was the entire point of the gospel. That's the point of the cross. Romans 5, 8 puts it this way. Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And if that's not someone treasuring you, if that's not someone loving you, then I don't know what is. And even before that, in the beginning is God's creating everything. Out of all the beautiful things he created, he chose to make us humans in his own image. All of us created on purpose for a purpose. And there's not a single human alive walking this earth that was a mistake. That is a lie from the enemy to try to get you to not walk into what God has done for you. Amen. So if you've ever heard that you were a mistake or you weren't born on purpose, that's false. God created each and every one of us and has destined us for greatness. And that's exactly why we don't push each other down or jockey and lobby for position. That's why we pull each other up because each of our paths has greatness. Even if yours doesn't look like somebody else's, you were created on purpose. Here's the other reason why we elevate others. It's because you can change the trajectory of a life. Every time we speak, we have an opportunity to either discourage, encourage, or just leave things, leave things the same. And all of us here have been surrounded by people who did one of those things. You may be over here and say, yeah, up to this point I've been elevated. I've been encouraged pretty well in my life. So to you, it is now your opportunity. You have been empowered to empower the next person, to put someone on your shoulders, to launch them towards the greatness God has planned for your life. And if you're on this side saying, I, Jess, I really don't feel like I've been elevated or encouraged, all this stuff you're talking about, I can encourage you that if you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and he empowers you and equips you for every good work that Christ called you. So you can step out of any feelings of rejection, 
of comparison, of lack of ambition, because you have all you need through the Holy Spirit to still accomplish great things. So before I landed here in Knoxville, I attended a ministry college in Birmingham, Alabama called Highlands College. And shout out. Cool. Y'all know that? All right. Cool. Uh, (laughs) From Alabama. Um, And so one of the classes there was called Intro to Preaching. And the final project for this class was you have to prepare a sermon and then present it to the class that you think would be relevant. And so the day came, I get up, I do my thing, and the teacher for that class, his name's Tim Spurlock, we all call him Coach Tim, he said, hey, will you stick around after class? I want to talk to you. (laughs) So I'm walking back to my seat. I'm like, I bombed that. Thank God I can decently sing. I'm in the worship practicum. I never have to speak a day in my life again. (laughs) But instead, that conversation went like this. He said, Jessica, you speak with a confidence and a wisdom about the word of God that most people your age don't have. And I tucked that away in my heart, and I even wrote it down in my journal. And little did he know, definitely little did I know, that two years later, I would have this opportunity to stand in front of you and speak today. A man of God elevated me. He called out potential in me that I didn't see in myself. And that's what leads me to the next part of how do we elevate others. How do we elevate others? What if I told you that there is one action that you could begin today that would change how you start to see people and ultimately change how they see you? The one thing that you can do today to elevate others is this. You can elevate someone today by honoring them. Honor them. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. Before we move forward, I want to clarify. I'm talking about honor and not respect. There's a difference, and here it is. Respect is something that's earned, but honor is given. Whether the person or the thing is honorable or not, you give that honor anyway. There's one of two ways that we can honor people. The first is the world's way. And the world's way breeds selfishness and deceit. So it's like, I'm only going to honor you if I can get something from you, right? Ulterior motives. Employees may honor bosses to get a reward. Our culture honors the rich and the powerful so that they can give to our cause or that we can gain status. But that's not God's heart. That's not his way. This is God's way of honoring people. It's placing more value on others than you do on yourself. Practically how that looks We're going to speak well and think well of people, whether we're in public or in private. We're going to call people not as they are, but as who they could become, right? And here's the last thing about honor. Genuine honor doesn't want anything from others, but wants everything for others. And that's how we live, not with ulterior motives, but generally just because people are in God's creation. So why we elevate others is because God treasures people more than anything, and how we do it is by honoring them, placing more value on them than we do on ourselves. Because to be honest, just as well as God has a plan for your time, your resources, and relationships, so does the enemy. And he'd love nothing more than for you to be selfish, to be thinking of yourself so you don't elevate someone, and ultimately so you don't point them to Christ. So he'd love for you to be selfish. But we don't do that. We take the attitude that Christ had in the rest of that scripture we started with. Have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. So we take this attitude for elevating others. We humble ourselves. 
we place more values on others. So let's practice what we just learned and honor Justin as he comes to bring the next message. Thank you guys so much. What's up? What's up? Man, Jess did a great job. Y'all give it up for her one more time. All right. And she has been such a blessing to this team, man. She's a great leader. She's a phenomenal worship leader, anointed, and she is a daughter of God. She, she is a daughter of this house, and she's a, been a great addition to this team. Well, my name is Justin. Some of you guys who have been coming here for a while probably recognize me. I'm one of the worship leaders. And so the speaking thing, yes. Yeah, the speaking thing is a little bit out of my comfort zone. So if you guys would uh, extend me the courtesy of being a little patient with me as I try this for the first time. Thankful for Pastor and Josh and Pastor Micah giving me the opportunity to do this. And so uh, I was actually talking to Pastor Jeff Cochran, who's up next, backstage. And he said, hey, I know you're a musician, but as a, a, you know, when you speak, you want people to connect with your face. And so it's important that you hold the mic more like a preacher and less like Snoop Dogg. And so I'm going to try that. Uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. Um, like I said, I've been a worship leader here for a long time. Been on staff for about 17 years. Um, but if you'd asked me uh, about 17 years ago where I would have pictured myself, this is not really it. You know, I was in college and I, I was a volunteer here. I love serving Faith Promise Church. This has always been my home. And I wanted to help, but I, I didn't really see myself as being going into full-time ministry. I didn't study to be a pastor. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't even study music, honestly. I studied math. Right. That's the, yeah, that's the normal response I get. That's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fun and interesting guy. Uh, just ask my wife. Um, uh, so as you can see, I didn't do anything with my degree. Uh, and we'll get to what changed, yeah, uh, we'll get to what changed my story here in just a little bit. But before we, do, before we get to that, I'd like to share with you guys a truth that I've learned from my life and from Scripture. Uh, and it goes like this, when we choose to subtract fear and add value to others, we multiply the impact we have for God's kingdom. Math nerd. Yep. So uh, we're going to look at the story today of a guy by the name of Saul. And uh, this is from the book of Acts in, in the New Testament. If you're not super familiar with the Bible, this is after Jesus has already uh, been raised from the dead. He's already back in heaven. And so the apostles are kind of doing their thing just getting going as a movement, and so they're running into some problems with the Jews. And Saul was one of these Jews at the time, and he was like next level, like he was competing for the world's greatest Jew. Like he wanted to interpret scripture better. He wanted to memorize more of the law. He wanted to persecute more heretics. So like he's into like the whole nine yards, and he hates the Christians. Like he went from town to town to town, hunting them down and trying to kill them because he wanted to stop them. And so one day he's on his way to Damascus, which is in Syria, Jesus kind of comes to him on the road and says, hey, um, I'm going to need you to not do that anymore. So wisely, he takes Jesus' advice to heart. And so he, uh, he's blinded by the light of God and uh, scratches homicide off of his to-do list. So that kind of frees up his schedule. And, uh, there's, and then he starts preaching the gospel. And there's a lot more to that story than I have time to get into. But you can check it out. Again, the book of Acts, it's, it's a great story of how the church got started. We're going to pick up his story uh, in Acts chapter 9. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, described for them how on the road he'd seen the Lord, who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he'd spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. See, when he became a Christian, it didn't fix everything. Someone had to come along and change his story, and that was Barnabas. 
You know, Peter, James, and John, the disciples in Jerusalem, all they knew was this guy's public enemy number one. He's a murderer. So what's this guy doing in our synagogue now? Had it not been for Barnabas sticking his neck out, vouching for this guy and giving him a chance, Saul would have never been able to fulfill his God-given potential. He would, he would never have had the chance to go to the world and preach the gospel. And all this happened because Barnabas subtracted his fear. We find this to be true in our lives as well. God will come along and hand us opportunities to elevate someone, to elevate someone around us. And to do that, we have to subtract our fear. What if they don't do it as well as me? What if they make mistakes? What if they do things differently than I do? And if I elevate someone else, what does my role become? All those questions have the same root. What about me? And a me-focused attitude is never going to be something that God can use to elevate other people. Fear, God cannot operate, he cannot operate out of fear. He has to operate out of a willing spirit. And so we have to choose to subtract those fears, allow God to work in us. Let's jump back into the story. So at this point, Saul has gone home. Uh, He's left the disciples there. He's gone back to his hometown. It's a city in Turkey called uh, Tarsus. And he is in the the local synagogue preaching there, but he's not like the all-star apostle yet that he will become. And so he's pretty much out of the game. Barnabas, meanwhile, has been sent to a different city called Antioch to preach to the Jews there. And while he's there, Barnabas realizes, hey, two is better than one. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get Saul. So he takes a detour about 50 miles away, brings Saul back. So let's see what happens. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. At this point, Barnabas is already a proven soul winner. But he senses through the Holy Spirit, this is a chance that I have to add value to Saul. He, he knew firsthand the anointing that was on Saul's life that he carried. And this is a great chance for Saul to fulfill his God-given purpose. And so he chose to add value to Saul. Barnabas believed in him and he chose to elevate someone around him. And that choice to add value was the key turning point in Saul's life. And it helped him realize what his divine destiny truly was. Have all of us been Saul at some point? We have, right? We needed someone to reach down and elevate us, believe in us, add value to us. But this is also true. All of us have a chance and responsibility to be Barnabas as well. We need to see, we need to ask for spiritual eyes to see those people around us that we can add value to. So ask yourself, who has God placed in my life that I need to add value to? Maybe you can train someone to serve in the way that you serve. Maybe you can teach someone to share your faith like we talked about last week. Maybe someone just needs your prayer and your encouragement. But nothing will create as much value in your life as the value that you choose to add to other people. The choice for you to elevate other people is a choice to elevate yourself and ultimately, most importantly, the kingdom of God. So let's go back to Saul's story. After all this has happened, the apostles have decided to send two of their best and their brightest to the around the world to preach the gospel. So there was two logical guys that they chose. This is chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And if you know your Bible, if you don't, that's great. You can check it out. But if you know what happens next, Saul gets a name change. He becomes Paul, travels around the world four times preaching the gospel. He wrote a big chunk in the New Testament. And he almost single-handedly transform Christianity from a fringe movement in a backwater small country to a worldwide phenomenon. And over 2 billion people today who are alive call themselves Christians because of what Saul was able to do. And he could have only had this impact because of Barnabas. Barnabas chose to subtract his fear and add value. And because of that, his impact extended far beyond what he could have ever done by himself. 
if you'd asked me when I started college, like I said, I studied math. I thought I was going to maybe become a teacher or a writer. In fact, my mentor said, I think you should become an actuary. You can look up on your own time what kind of nerd that is. Um, and, and I've been volunteering here for a while, but my trajectory changed when someone chose to add value to me, and that was Pastor Michelle. And she elevated me from just being a volunteer. She saw potential in me, subtracted her own fear. She took a risk on a 19-year-old kid with no job experience, no ministry experience, no social skills. Some things haven't changed. She hired me anyway, and she believed in me enough to add value to me. She gave me a chance and empowered me to do the ministry that I do. I'm thankful for that. That's a lesson from my life and from the pages of Scripture. We all have that calling to look around us and see who can I add value to, who can I elevate. We have a calling that's on our life, but just as importantly, we all have a divine calling to look around and to see and to help others. Because when we choose to subtract fear and add value to others, we multiply the impact that we have on God's kingdom. Thank you, guys. Y'all give it up for Pastor Jeff. All right, y'all give it up. Y'all give it up for Justin and Jessica one more time. They are crushing it this weekend. My name is Jeff, and I serve as our student pastor here at the Pellissippi campus. And I'm excited to be with you this weekend, but I'm also a little nervous. I mean, especially following those guys. I realized I was walking out on stage this weekend. I have a lot less to offer than I thought, okay? Like, I preached a little bit before, so I was feeling okay. And then I was like, I don't lead worship. I don't sing, right? I don't have as much to bring as those guys. And then, then Justin comes out, and he starts talking about the mathematician in him. Guys, I can't even calculate my own tip, okay? I don't have a lot to offer to you, but here's what I've got to offer. I love this value. I'm not an expert in it. I, I don't have anything to offer other than the fact that I think this is one of the most important values that we can ever espouse at Faith Promise because it's how I want to live my life. I want to be known as a guy as a man who elevates those around me. And speaking of people who elevate those around them, uh, I just want to say thank you really quick. Pastor, thank you so much for allowing us across all the campuses to exercise our gifts, to stretch our muscles a little bit. Uh, pastor, you were the best elevator of people that I've ever met and I've ever known. So thank you. Give it up for our pastor. So let me ask you a couple of questions just to find out who is in the room. I want to know if I'm alone or am I among, you know, some friends and some family, okay? So help me out. First of all, where are my moms and dads at in the room? If you're mom, your dad, raise your hand. All right. Now, let me ask you another question. This is a little tougher. Have you ever felt like you were breaking your kids, like permanently? Like you messed them up, okay? <laughs> Have you ever wondered... How expensive is their counseling bill going to be just to fix what I did to them, right? Okay, judging by your laughter, I'm thinking I'm not the only one. I ask this all the time. I want to grow and I want to get better in life, especially I want to grow and I want to get better at being a dad. You know, and sometimes I feel like I'm crushing this parent thing. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You feel really good, but it's usually followed by a feeling of not feeling so good. A few weeks back, um, I was actually teaching my youngest son how to throw a football off of a three-step drop. He's hitting it. We got video. Man, he's hitting targets. I felt like I was crushing this dad thing until I remembered that 20 minutes before he was sobbing because I was yelling at him, right? Now, I'm just wondering, am I breaking this kid? Am I really doing this? I want to be a good dad, and sometimes I feel like a good dad, but most of the time, no, I, I'm not sure if I'm a good dad. So let me ask you another question. Where are my people at who are in a relationship? So that could be husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, or you just want to have friends. That last part was so you'd all raise your hands, okay? That's I'm trying to get you involved, okay? If you don't have any friends, see me after service. I want to help you, okay? This is family. It's faith promise. 
some days we can feel like we're pretty good at the relationship thing, right? You ever felt like you're a really good husband, really good wife, really good boyfriend, girlfriend, really good friend? You're like, ah, oh, man, I'm just I'm a good person. And then the very next moment, a millisecond later, so fast you don't know how it happened, your entire foot is in your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, how did my whole foot get in my mouth? I didn't even know that was possible. I got it way in there this time. How do I get it out? And you're just trying to fix it because now people around you are mad. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. We want to grow and we want to get better. How many of you guys want to get better at your relationships that we're talking about so far? You say, I want to grow, I want to get better. Okay, we're all on the same page. That's why this is so important. That's why this is so important because I've found three reasons why I want to live my life to elevate others. But I want to share with you guys three reasons why I think your life will be better and your calling will be lived into when you begin to live a life to elevate others. And the first one is that we grow most when we elevate others. When we elevate others, that's when we grow the most. So if you want to grow, you want to get better in your relationships, you got to learn to elevate others. Because here's something I've found about elevating others. I'm going to get into how Jesus taught this in just a minute. But I've found this to be true. I can mess up a lot as a dad. I can mess up a lot as a husband. But I cannot break a relationship that is built on elevating the other person. I just can't do it. Love covers a multitude of sins. And if I'm focused on elevating my wife, if I'm focused on elevating my kids, if I'm focused on man, helping them to see Jesus... I can't mess those relationships up. So if you want to cover those foot and mouth moments, one of the best ways that we grow and we change our relationships is to elevate others. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7, 12. And this is a verse of scripture that many of you guys have heard. You may not even know it's scripture, but Jesus says something profound yet simple. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you because this is the law and this is the prophets. Treat other people the way you want them to treat you. What do you, how do you, have you heard that before? What's that called? Golden rule, right? I talk to my kids all the time about the golden rule. And maybe you didn't know that was in scripture, but here's how Jesus finishes it, because we leave that part out. Jesus said, everything I've taught is in that. All the law, all the prophets. In another place, he said this. He said, there's two commandments that you need to follow. Someone asked him, hey, what do I need to do that's more important than everything else? He said, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've talked about it. But number two, he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Another version of the golden rule, treat other people the way you want to be treated. Essentially, Jesus is saying, elevate others the way you want to be elevated. He says, all the law, all the prophets hang on these two things both times, which means this. When you're talking about, hey, man, I, I, want, to, I want to really live the Christian life well. I want to live a life that echoes into eternity. we got to learn to elevate others because when we elevate others, we grow most. Now, I've been involved in a few different churches. And it doesn't matter how big or how small the church is, what denomination the church is. There's one question that every pastor is going to get asked at some point. It's going to go like this. Hey, pastor, why can't we go deeper? I feel like we need to go deeper. right? I even have students who will ask me that sometimes. And every time somebody asks me that question, I'll tell you what my answer is. I answer with a question and I'll say, hey, have you mastered love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And have you mastered love your neighbors yourself, treat them the way you want to be treated? Everybody says no. And that's the moment that I get to remind them, Jesus said, that's as deep as you can go. And if you can't get that, we can't go any deeper. The deepest we can go, the most we can get out of this Christian life, the most of an impact we can make is when we decide to live a life elevating others. And I made a lot of mistakes as a dad, but this is something that I teach my kids literally every single week. Almost every day we talk about the golden rule. Because that's the marker 
for how we're going to live our lives in my family. Because I keep telling them, hey, this is going to cover up a lot of mistakes. If you'll just learn to elevate others. Because when you elevate others, you grow most. But secondly, elevating others, that elevates your legacy. Elevating others elevates your legacy. Let me tell you where I found this out. This totally changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I was 16 years old. I'd been saved for about a year. And I was trying to navigate, am I called to ministry? Am I called to something more? I knew that God was, was calling me to do something, but I didn't know what it was. I was trying to figure it out. And I had a man in my life named John Waters. And John was really pouring into me and elevating me. And at the church that we just started going to, I hadn't been there long, but our pastor got cancer. He passed away, Pastor Bob Bell. And John invited me to go to the funeral, and I just wanted to go with John. And as we get to the funeral, there's this crazy thing that happened. I saw something I'd never seen before. The line was wrapped around the building probably eight, nine times. It would have stretched for miles. I was like, John, what in the world is this? I've been to a lot of funerals. What are all these people here for? He said, Jeff, these are all the people that Pastor Bob impacted in his life. They're all here. They've come from across the country to pay honor to him because he built them up. He made them better. He made an impact on their lives. I said, John, I've been to a lot of funerals. They usually don't, the line doesn't make it to the back door. What's so special about Bob? He said, Bob built up every person that he met. And then he said something that was even crazier that every morning I hear it when I wake up. He said, if you think this line is crazy, wait till you see his line in heaven. Every person he reached or every person who was reached by someone that he reached, he said, his impact, you won't see the end of it. And that's when he looked at me and said these words. He said, Jeff, every single day you're going to have to decide, are you going to live your life for the line or for that day? And that was the moment that I decided for the rest of my life, that was my calling. I'm not called to be a student pastor. It's a season. It's an assignment. I'm not called to be a preacher. I love doing this. Part of my calling. But that's not it. My calling is to be an elevator of people. My calling is to live my life for the line. Because you see, I think the third reason why we live our life for the line is that when we elevate others, that's when we look most like Jesus. Because Jesus elevated us. You see, what I want for you, and this is bigger than what I want for you, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, if, if I had to ask Pastor, what do you want for the Faith Promise family? Here's what Pastor would say to you. He would say, I want for every promiser to live into their full life so that they can hear when they hit heaven, they can hear from Jesus, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But I believe well done is reserved for people who live their lives for the line. Well done is reserved for people who live their lives for the line. You don't hear well done for no reason. You hear well done because you lived your life to elevate others, because Jesus elevated you. So think about this with me. This has changed the way that I look at how Jesus loved me, how Jesus loves me still this day. When Jesus went to the cross, he was both fully God and fully man, right? Anybody agree with that, fully God, fully man? Okay. Which means if he was fully God, I believe this. I believe he looked down the corridor of time, and he saw me and you, not at our best, but at our worst. He saw you at your worst moment. He saw you when you would turn your back on him. He saw you and you would do that thing that you said a thousand times I'll never do again. And at that moment, seeing you at your worst, he still said, no, I'll go to the cross for you. I choose you. I'll elevate you. So we never look more like Jesus when we elevate others because he elevated us on the cross. He elevated you and he elevated me. So I want to live my life elevating others out of the overflow of joy because Jesus elevated me when I deserved it the least. So let me ask you this question. Who are you living your life for? What are you living your life for? Are you living it for the line 
Or are you living it for you? Because one will echo into eternity. And that's what we want for you. You see, you may be here this morning and and you may be making a decision and saying, hey, as I walk out this weekend, I don't want to be the same. I don't want to live my life just for another paycheck or just for another day. I want to live my life for a line. I want to live my life for well done, good and faithful servant. I want to live my life to elevate others because Jesus elevated me. But in a room this size, there's somebody who says, I didn't know Jesus loved me that way. I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about his love. But I came in this weekend thinking I was too far gone. Thinking I messed up too much. Jesus can't love me this way. You were thinking there's no way that Jesus can love me like he loves other people. He's called other people, but he can't call me that way. Can I tell you? Jesus saw you at your worst and still chose you. He elevated you. And if you would say, I want to give my heart to that Jesus. If he really loved me like that, man, I I want that. I want a part of that. Then I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And this weekend as we pray together, everybody's going to bow their head. Everybody's going to close their eyes all over the room. Because that faith promise, one of the ways we elevate people is that nobody prays alone. So we're going to pray this prayer together. And if that's you, you pray this prayer. Jesus is going to come into your life. He's going to make you new. He's going to begin to elevate your life in a way that you never could have imagined. And it's going to change the lives of everybody around you. So together, that's you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've made mistakes. And that separated me from you. But I know that you love me enough to die for me at my worst. Nothing can separate me from your love. So because you died for me, I want to live for you. I want to live for other people. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my King. Everything that I have and everything that I am, it's yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. If that's you, you just gave your heart to Jesus, I just want to encourage you to grab this communication card from the seat back pocket in front of you. You're going to find a box there that says, I prayed for the first time to receive Jesus. Check that, mark that, drop it in the bucket. We don't want to bother you. What we want to do is we want to take this journey with you. We want to elevate you. We don't want you to do this alone. I think you just made a decision that's going to change your eternity and countless eternities. But we want to walk with you through that. We're about to enter into a part of our worship experience I love because it's all about elevating others, and that's generosity. And you see, if you're a guest with us for the first time this weekend, we don't want anything from you. The only thing we would ask from you is not to put any money in the buckets they pass. We just would love for that communication card so we can know how to connect with you. But if you're a promiser, you're part of the family this is one of the ways that we elevate others because as you give it always elevates others can I tell you just something that man my joy is overflowing out of my heart seeing this family and how you elevate others through your generosity over the past four weeks faith promised you know that this family has given over $35,000 worth of scholarships to make sure that no second through 12th grader had to miss a summer experience no second through 12th grader had to miss what God had for them Weeks ago at kids camp, students were saved, kids were saved, and their parents were connected to that salvation moment because you gave. Students are going to be called to ministry this week. They're going to be the next ones on this platform, the next ones leading the charge of Faith Promise Ministry because you poured into them. When you give, it elevates others, and that number equates to about 300 second through 12th graders who got to be a part of our summer experiences that never would have been able to otherwise. So thank you so much for your generosity. As we give... Let's worship. 
the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who loved you at your worst. And because he elevated you, let's give, let's worship to elevate others. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that you love us the way that you do when we deserve it the least. God, I pray that you just take these gifts, that you take our time. God, as we give, that you just use it, you bless it, you take it farther than we ever thought it could go. But God, I pray that in these moments, our worship, God, it just puts a smile on your face. We want to live in a way to hear, we're not only well done, we want to live in a way that puts a smile on your face, Jesus. Because you changed our lives, you changed our eternities. So God, use our gift, bless the gift and the giver. We pray all these things in Christ's name.